0: Hello, and welcome into the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes. Happy Halloween, everyone. To those of you that celebrate the holiday, it's that wonderful time of year of ghosts and goblins, kids going out for trick-or-treat. I made my first batch of mulled apple cider last weekend, and I'll probably be making another very soon. And of course, this is the season of controversy. Candy corn, is it good? Or is it like eating the eraser off your number two pencil? My friends and family get in the same argument every year. Candy corn is terrible, of course. That is the correct answer. And those of you that like candy corn obviously have no taste. And that's coming from a guy that lost his sense of taste on part of his tongue. And just in time for Halloween, I'm talking about the Legends horror story, Death Troopers, by Joe Schreiber. An Imperial prison barge finds an abandoned Star Destroyer carrying a top-secret bioweapon with a deadly secret. It's a story of isolation, terror, and zombies. And it's coming up. In just a few minutes but first it's listener question time I have two questions today the first is from listener Trent who wrote me a very nice message a little long though I had to edit it down a bit for the show Trent says I am 48 years old and learning about this whole world of Star Wars and the difference between legends and canon Thank goodness for YouTube and your podcast. It's really been great to be able to go through each of your Legends books and get the basis of each book without having to read it. My questions. Are the Darth Vader comics canon or Legends? Do you think the comics make Darth Vader too strong? Who do you feel is the strongest Sith of all time? And do you feel the new show Acolyte will show Darth Plagueis? Well, thank you very much for the questions, Trent. Let me take them in the order in which you wrote them. The various Darth Vader series that began in 2015 and continue through today are canon. Any Darth Vader comics published before the Disney acquisition in 2012 are legends. Do I think the comics make Vader too strong? I don't know. I guess that depends on your point of view and how you judge the strength of a character. Characters and events always get exaggerated in comics in my opinion. I haven't read all of the canon Vader comics but there are some events in the ones that I have read that feel a bit cartoony to me. Again that's my relationship to comics in general. But it doesn't really matter to me honestly. I can overlook some of those things if I like the story. I do think Vader is used too much in the comics and in Star Wars publishing as a whole. I like how he was used sparingly in things like Rogue One or Rebels. I thought he was used a little too much in the Kenobi show, but I enjoyed some of his scenes. I've always said Darth Vader is my favorite character, and in my opinion... Vader is used best when Vader is used less. Who do I feel is the strongest Sith of all time? I guess for me it's Palpatine. He's the culmination of the Sith Grand Plan. He destroyed the Jedi Order and brought order to the galaxy under Sith rule. I know some folks will argue about some of the ancient Sith Lords and Legends, but again, I think this is one of those point of view questions and honestly I've never really been that interested in Old Republic and ancient Sith stuff. Finally, will Plagueis appear in the Acolyte show? Now that's a good question, Trent. I am very interested in Acolyte. Who is it? What's the show going to be about? According to Lucasfilm, Acolyte is a show with a female lead character and the rising dark side of the Force that takes place at the end of the High Republic era, approximately 50 years before the Phantom Menace. Now, Plagueis would definitely fit in that time period. Maybe the acolyte will be the apprentice of Darth Tenebrous, who was Plagueis' master in legends, who may be defeated and replaced by Plagueis at the end of the series? I don't know. Of course, Plagueis may not be in the show at all. Regardless, I'm very excited for the acolyte. Thank you very much for the email, Trent. Today's second email comes from listener Victor, who asks, What is an obscure piece of Star Wars lore that you would like to see a story based around? and would you want it to be in a book or book series a tv series or a movie adaptation that is a tough question victor i've honestly never really been concerned with obscure pieces of star wars lore so this is kind of tough for me it's something i've never really thought too much about if it was possible I'd like for Lucasfilm to change the lore surrounding kyber crystals and lightsaber colors, but I know I complain about that a little too much. I promise I won't bring it up anymore here on the show. One thing I guess I'd like to see someday is a story about a dark side Force user who returns to the light side, how that character tries to make amends or restitution for their actions, and how the galaxy as a whole reacts to them returning to the light. One thing that I have never agreed with are the fans who say that Anakin Skywalker or Ben Solo were redeemed at the end. Maybe they were in those fans' eyes, but for me, redemption means answering for the things that you've done. Of course, Anakin and Ben... Never got a chance to do that. They died at the end of their respective stories. It's also the main reason I have never been as big of a fan of Mera Jade in Legends as many Legends fans. Mara is a cool character, don't get me wrong. I don't dislike her at all. But she carried out orders for the Emperor, serving as his private investigator and assassin, once Mara kills the clone of Jerus Sabaoth and silences the emperor's voice in her mind, Luke just proclaims that he accepts that Mara is on the side of the New Republic, and Han and Lando help her set up as the leader of the New Smugglers Alliance. Now, my question is, what do most of the members of the New Republic government think about all this? some of them have to have issues with Mara. Her actions while working for the Emperor don't even warrant a trial? That just seems weird to me. It always has. So I'd like to see a story about a dark side user that returns to the light but has to answer for their actions. Maybe a fallen Jedi in the High Republic era, or one of the Inquisitors, or Maybe a member of the Sith Eternal on Exegol. I would like to see them struggle day to day, almost like a recovering alcoholic or substance abuser. Maybe they even go to prison for a while. I I, I honestly don't know. But I'd like to see them struggle to turn their life around and become a positive member of society. I think it would work better in long-form storytelling, like a television show, or a book series. Now, I also would not make them the main character, but I would put them in a supporting role. I just think that would be interesting. Thank you very much for the email, Victor. Now, if you want to be really cool, like Trent or Victor, and would like to contact the show, you can email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com, or send me a tweet, at Legends Lounge 1. Or, if you'd like to get your voice on the show, you can record it yourself and email it in. Just please, record your file in MP3 or MP4 audio format. Now it's time to dive into today's book, Death Troopers by Joe Schreiber. Grab yourself a drink, and let's head in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. The story begins aboard an imperial prison barge. Teenagers Trigg and Kale Longo try to continue their father's business. Von Longo smuggled weapons into the prison barge and sold them to other inmates. That was, until their father was killed by the chief prison guard, a psychopath named Jareth Sartoris. The boys meet with the leader of the biggest prison gang, a Delphanian named R. Miss. As a show of good faith, Kale offers to give Miss the weapons for free, but Miss ambushes the boys and tries to kill them. They escape and run back to the cell block and the safety of the prison guards. In the barge's medical bay, Dr. Zahara Cody treats sick and injured patients. Cody is the daughter of wealthy Corellian financiers and defied her parents' wishes by going into medicine. She's also the object of desire from the prison guards, but after witnessing Von Longo's death, Cody turns in her resignation, planning to leave the prison barge once it arrives at its destination. But that might be longer than expected because, while Dr. Cody is examining one of the injured inmates, she's rocked when a jolt goes through the ship. The engines have stopped. They're stranded in deep space. Warden Cloth calls Sartorius to his office and tells the chief guard that the barge's engines have been damaged. They're not moving, but there is some good news. In the distance, there's a derelict star destroyer and it's drifting near them. Sartorius wonders why the Empire would abandon a star destroyer, but the warden orders him to take a group of guards and ship engineers to scuttle the ship for engine parts. Once on the destroyer, Sartoris splits the group in half, leading one group to engineering and sending the other group to the Star Destroyer's medbay to gather medical supplies. Sartoris has a bad feeling about the ghost ship, but his group is able to find the necessary engine parts. When they make their way back to the tube connecting the Star Destroyer to the prison barge, there's no sign of the other group. Sartorius's group starts back down the tube when one guard starts coughing and one of the engineers throws up. By the time they make it back to the prison, all the members of the group except Sartorius are coughing and vomiting. He sends them to the medical bay, but the disease starts running roughshod through the prison population. In the med bay, Dr. Cody is overwhelmed by the spread of the disease, but she appears to be immune. Cody and her 2-1-B droid try to use her blood to synthesize an antivirus, but she worries it's too little, too late. Trig and Kale find themselves in a nightmare, watching the inmates and guards dying around them. They appear to be immune, but they're trapped in their cell. The boys scream to be released, but eventually Trig accepts their fate. They're going to waste away and die. Suddenly, the cell door opens, letting them out. The boys make their way to the ends of the cell block to discover one of the guards opened the cell doors just as he died. Kale tells Trigg they need to head up to the administration level and try to find a way off the barge. As they enter the turbo left, Trigg jumps when he hears a scream and something else. Like something is eating. Amidst the sickness and death, Sartoris makes his way to the warden's office. He has to get off the barge and kills anyone he meets along the way. Sartoris busts into the office to find Warden Cloth in a pool of his own blood and vomit. Sartoris pulls a blaster on the warden and demands the access code to the barge's escape pods. Cloth hands Sartoris a data card and orders the guard chief to carry him to the pod. Sartoris pockets the data card, lifts his blaster, and blows the warden's head off. Dr. Cody wants to inject the new antivirus to anyone left alive in the prison barge. She goes to a computer terminal and initiates a bioscan, finding six life forms aboard. Herself, one on the administration level, two in a turbolift, and two in the basement level in solitary confinement. Of course, Cody thinks, solitary, the one place in the prison where someone may have been kept isolated from the spread of the disease. Dr. Cody heads down to the basement level, stepping around hundreds of bodies along the way. She enters solitary and trips over a dead prison guard, clutching a piece of paper. Cody reads the note, a final message from the guard to his wife. She pockets the note and proceeds down the hallway. Behind the first cell door, Dr. Cody finds a Wookiee and a human behind the second. The man introduces himself as Han Solo and his partner Chewbacca. Dr. Cody explains to the two smugglers about the disease ravaging the barge and says she needs to inject them with the antivirus. Han and Chewie take the injections, but not before the Wookiee starts showing symptoms of the disease. Chewie starts to have trouble breathing, but Doctor Cody clears his airway, saving him. She then leads the two back to the turbo lift and heads up to the medbay. They exit the lift to find blood and vomit everywhere, but no bodies. Trig and Kale find the escape pod when Sartoris appears. He pulls his blaster on them and orders them away from the hatch. Sartoris enters the pod, activates the launch codes, and ejects leaving the Longo brothers staring after him. Cale tells his brother they need to get to the other pod on the opposite side of the barge. They run to the other side of the administration level and find the pod when Han, Chewie, and Dr. Cody arrive. But they have a problem. They can't get the hatch open. Dr. Cody leads Han and Chewie up to the bridge to disable the lock while Cale and Trigg guard the escape pod. As they wait, Cale hears a noise. And goes to investigate, leaving Trigg alone. In the quiet, Trigg hears a scratching noise coming from inside the pod. He tries to call Dr. Cody and stop her from opening the hatch, but he's too late. Kale returns to the escape pod to find his little brother missing. Frantically, he sprints down the corridor, searching for Trigg. Kale turns a corner and sees some blood on a maintenance hatch set into the wall. He opens the hatch, and Trig leaks out, screaming and sobbing in fear. Kale tries to calm his brother down, but the boy is nearly hysterical. Kale hears a scream and footsteps running toward him. Quickly, he picks his little brother up and runs. In the bridge, Han, Chewie, and Dr. Cody turn to leave when one of the computers starts beeping. Cody runs to the monitor and sees that the barge is now registering more lifeforms since her first bioscan. And those lifeforms are headed to the bridge. Suddenly, Kale bursts through the hatch, carrying Trig, screaming at them to run. Confused, Han and Cody ask what's happening when the creatures start pouring through the hatch. The group rushes to the lift tube that leads up to the Star Destroyer. Just as they enter, one of the undead grabs Kale's leg and bites it. Chewie kicks the creature away, and the group ascends the tube to safety. The group arrives in the Star Destroyer's hangar bay, but Kale is unable to walk any farther. Dr. Cody says she'll stay with Kale while Han, Chewie, and Trig head off to the bridge. As they walk through the corridors, the three start to hear footsteps. They start running when the ceiling ahead of them explodes, pouring out undead Imperials into the hallway. The group flees, and after running in circles, they end up at a narrow catwalk above the main turbine shaft. Han and Chewie start to cross the catwalk, but Trigg becomes frozen with fear and stays behind. In the hangar bay, the dead begin climbing the lift tube from the prison barge. Dr. Cody grabs Kale and starts dragging him across the hangar. The zombies emerge from the tube carrying blasters and start shooting. At first, the shots are wild. quickly the creature's aim improves. Kale yells at Cody to drop him, but she ignores his screams and continues dragging him toward the hangar exit. But, before Cody reaches it, a bolt hits Kale, exploding half of his face. Cody drops Kale's body and flees the hangar, heading to the Star Destroyer's medbay. Elsewhere, Sartoris awakens inside his escape pod and finds himself inside the star destroyer's hangar. Confused, he realizes that after launching from the prison barge, his escape pod was caught in the star destroyer's tractor beam and pulled into the hangar. Hearing blaster fire, he looks out and sees a horde of undead chasing Dr. Cody to a turbo lift. Sartorius jumps out of the pod and sprints across the hangar, leaping onto an imperial shuttle. He climbs inside and finds a group of emaciated Imperials. The shuttle commander tells Sartorus that his squad has been trapped for 10 weeks inside the shuttle. They started out with 30 men. Now there's only six. Two of the men grab Sartorus as the commander explains that they had to resort to cannibalism to survive. But the men are weak and Sartorus easily breaks free. He opens the hatch and throws four of the men down off the shuttle into the horde. Sartorius tells the last re- Sartorius tells the last two Imperials to pre-flight the shuttle and find a way to turn off the tractor beam before leaping to the hangar floor and running to a nearby lifter, hoping to distract the zombies. Sartorius flies off but discovers he's been bitten on the elbow. In the Star Destroyer's medical bay, Dr. Cody finds a stack of black canisters with no markings on them. One of them is leaking. She starts to investigate the canisters when suddenly she's attacked by an undead doctor. Cody is saved by a 2-1-B droid who crushes the zombie's skull. She looks around and sees the word Black Wing scratched onto the floor. Cody asks the droid what's happened But that information is classified, the droid says. Cody finds a computer console and uses the password Blackwing to access a classified report about a virus designed to weaponize areas of the population. The virus couldn't be contained and leaked out into the ship, infecting the crew. But the virus doesn't simply animate dead bodies. It allows the undead to learn and after the undead had eaten their fill of the uninfected, they learned how to turn on the ship's tractor beam to try and bring in others. That's what caught the prison barge, keeping them from escaping. Trigg continues to wait at the turbine shaft when he sees something moving down the hallway. It looks like kale. He follows his brother into a room filled with a mountain of bodies, a zombie slowly emerges from the mountain and chases Trig around the room. Terrified, the boy scrambles up the mountain and crawls into a ventilation duct that crosses the turbine shaft. The creature follows Trig into the duct. It's Kale. Petrified, Trig watches as his brother's zombie slowly crawls toward him. Kale lunges for Trig, but the younger boy kicks out, slamming his brother into the ceiling. The action breaks the duct loose. And the two Longo Boys tumble out. Trig grabs onto the catwalk while Kale falls down the turbine shaft into the zombie horde. Han and Chewie arrive to find Trig clinging to the catwalk. Trig's strength gives out, and the boy starts to fall. When suddenly, Sartoris arrives in the lifter and catches Trig before he lands at the bottom of the shaft. Sartoris picks up Han and Chewie as well, but it's too much weight for the lifter. And the small craft starts to descend into the shaft. Quietly, Sartoris tells the group about the Imperial shuttle back in the hangar bay. He then shows them his elbow bite before leaping over the side of the lifter, falling into the horde, and lightening the weight. The lifter ascends the turbine shaft and heads back into the hangar. In the hangar, Han, Chewie, and Trigg find the shuttle, but can't find Dr. Cody, They climb inside and find one of the Imperials. He tells them his partner is dead, but the tractor beam is down. Han jumps into the pilot seat when a zombie attacks, killing the Imperial. It lunges for Han when its head explodes from a blaster bolt. The zombie falls, and Dr. Cody steps out from the back of the shuttle, blaster in hand. Han thanks the doctor and launches the shuttle, escaping the Star Destroyer. As they fly away, Han wonders if there's a way to keep the virus from spreading. Dr. Cody says not to worry and tells the group how the weapon works. The bodies need a constant supply of the virus to remain animated. That's what was in the canisters she found in the medbay. If the bodies are moved away from the canisters, they fall back dead. Han flies the shuttle to Chandrala where the group goes their separate ways. Han and Chewie plan to head back to where they left the Millennium Falcon. The story ends when Dr. Cody and Trig head to a house on the lake shore outside of Hana City. They knock on the door to meet the wife of the dead guard Cody found on the prison barge. Cody delivers the note and watches as the woman reads it, crying. Eventually, the woman thanks her and invites Dr. Cody and Trig inside her house for tea. Time for a break. When we come back, I'll talk more about Death Troopers. I'm Aaron Moats. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Thanks for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, where we celebrate the books from Star Wars Legends. But allow me to suggest a book from Star Wars Canon, Queen's Peril is the story of young Padme Amidala in the first few weeks after she's elected Queen of Naboo. Joined by a group of young women with extraordinary skills, Padme and her handmaidens learn how to govern while the threat of the Trade Federation looms over the planet. That's Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston. Welcome back to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes. And today's book is Death Troopers by Joe Schreiber. Before I get into my opinions on the book, let me first apologize a bit for the recap at the beginning of the show. It's kind of hard to make a recap scary or tension-filled because it's just a synopsis of what the book is. In order to get those emotions, the dread, the terror, the despair of the main characters in the story, you pretty much have to read the book. It's almost impossible to do it just by condensing the plot down to a 15-minute synopsis. This was my first time reading Death Troopers. I enjoyed it as a one-off for this type of story in the Star Wars universe. Horror is not really my thing. I like to say I am more of a horror light person. Um, I enjoy it every once in a while, but for the most part, horror films, horror television shows, horror stories aren't really my thing. This book wasn't really all that scary. It was suspenseful. It was tension-filled, and those types of stories I really like. I think the author Joe Schreiber did a pretty good job showing how the isolation of just a handful of characters create a growing dread when an unknown monster is following you. We don't see many of the zombies until after the halfway point of the book. The Imperials and the prison inmates start dying off fairly soon, about 30 to 35 pages into the story. For some reason, Sartorius, Dr. Cody, Trigg, and Kale are immune to the disease. Dr. Cody is able to use her blood to synthesize an antivirus for anyone else who is not yet affected, and of course, that turns out to be the two inmates down in solitary confinement. That's the only part of this story that I had my issues with. It's about the halfway point of the book when Cody opens the cells down in solitary and Han and Chewie emerge. I kind of wish None of our big characters were in this story. I think it would have been interesting. In general, I don't have issues when a bunch of stories connect via characters. I know some other Star Wars fans have issues with that, and that's perfectly fine. For the most part, I think all these stories are interconnected. But in this case, in this story, it did make it seem like the galaxy was a little smaller. In my opinion. But that didn't take away from my enjoyment of the story. As I said, I'm not a really big horror fan. The fear that you get from this book is in the suspense, in my opinion, of will our protagonists get away? This entire book is a chase. Trig, Kale, Cody, Han, Chewie, Sartorius, they're all being chased. How are they going to get off the prison barge? How are they going to get off the Star Destroyer? And every decision they make reveals more and more of the undead. They have to get off the prison barge. It's a ship that carries roughly 500 people. The only safety is up on the Star Destroyer. But, of course, you get to a Star Destroyer, and it's a crew of 10,000 people. It's an interesting genre in the Star Wars universe. There's not a whole lot of horror stories in Star Wars. There are a handful in Legends. You had the Young Reader Galaxy of Fear books. I was a little old for them when they came out, so I've never really read that many of them. I have read one or two, but they are scary stories for younger readers. In the Legends adult stories, you have Death Troopers here, and you have Red Harvest, also by Joel Schreiber, which takes place back in the Old Republic times. I guess you could say there's a little bit more horror stories in Star Wars canon. You have the Ewok Hunt in battlefront 2 which okay you can argue that battlefront 2's battle boards are not strictly canon and you're probably right but it does show the terror of the imperial star destroyers on endor at night being hunted by the little murder teddy bears a lot of the horror stories that we see in Star Wars canon revolve around Darth Vader. You have the hallway scene at the end of Rogue One, where he's just chopping through Republic troopers. He stalks Obi-Wan Kenobi on the planet Mapuzo in the third episode of The Kenobi Show, stalking through that town at night, killing innocent town folk and then haunting Obi-Wan in that industrial quarry. There are parts in some of the Darth Vader comics where Vader is on a planet with an entire rebel army, and he hacks through the army. There's another one where he's attacked by a bunch of monsters. You could argue that parts of Luke and Vader's duel on Cloud City at the M- of The Empire Strikes Back contain aspects of horror storytelling. So I think when it's used effectively and for me used in smaller doses it can be pretty fun. There was someone on Twitter this week who said that they couldn't wait for more horror storytelling in Star Wars. Great. I'd watch that. I'd read that. Whatever media it came out in. We talked earlier in this episode about the Acolyte show. Maybe there'll be aspects of horror in the Acolyte. It's about the dark side rising before the Phantom Menace. Who knows? But as far as this book goes, I think the best aspects of it for me were the suspense, the tension, will they get away? The parts where Kale, Sartoris, even Trigg are attacked by the undead. And other parts where the undead are attacking some of the inmates, some of the guards at the beginning. And they rip them apart. And it's not real graphic, but fairly graphic for a Star Wars novel. Those aren't my favorite. I prefer the fear of... Of not knowing. The fear of not being able to see what is chasing you. Almost like the original Jaws, for those of you who have watched that movie. The fear in that movie is not being able to see the shark very much. And for those of you that know, the reason is because the shark didn't work that well. Spielberg couldn't use it as much as he did. And it turned out, in retrospect, Be the best thing for the movie. Spielberg credits the shark malfunctioning all the time for why the movie is so scary, and I agree. Now, as I said before, my one criticism, I guess, of this story is that Han and Chewie are in it. I don't think you needed Han and Chewie in this story in order to heighten the tension. The reason I guess I was a little bummed when Han and Chewie showed up is because this story takes place a few months, maybe a year, before the events of A New Hope. And we know that Han and Chewie are there in A New Hope. So when they showed up, the stakes lessened a little bit for me. I knew at least those two characters were making it out of this story alive. I think it would have kept the suspense heightened for me if the story only contained characters that I didn't know but they are in this story and so I would have to say just looking at the story as it was presented I think Joe Schreiber did a pretty good job I enjoyed Death Troopers he also wrote Red Harvest as I said I have read that before this was the first time I'd read Death Troopers both stories are good in my opinion. They're not great, they're good. It'd be interesting to see if Lucasfilm would allow an author, whether it be Joe Schreiber or someone else, to write a horror story in canon and then how that would be presented. If you included a well-known character in a canon horror story, would it be the same? Would tensions be a little less, knowing that the story revolving around that character going forward. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. Well, we're getting close to the end of the show. But first, we have another Starfighter squadron. And this one comes all the way from the Great White North. Justin in Canada sent in a squadron made up of non-Force users from all eras of Star Wars and all media sources. So, without further ado... Here is Justin's Dread Squadron. One Flight. Dread 1 and Squadron Commander Wedge Antilles from the Rogue Squadron books. Dread 2, Biggs Darklighter from Red Squadron. Dread 3 is Piggy Sabinring, the Gamorian of Wraith Squadron. Dread 4, Scut Gorset, the Yuzong Vong member of Wraith Squadron a little later in the Legends timeline. Two-Flight, Dread 5, Baron Suntir Fell, from the 181st Imperial Fighter Wing. Dread 6, his son Jagged Fell, of the Chiss Military Ascendancy. Dread 7, Dagara, a Yuzong Vong member of the Praetorite Vong. Dread 8, Shea, the Rebel Destroyer, Hublin, a member of Sword Squadron of the Imperial 77th Air Wing. 3-Flight, Dread 9, is led by Boba Fett. Dread 10, Goran Bevian, a member of the Mandalorian Protectors. Dread 11, Delia Blue, a female Zeltron from the Star Wars Legacy comics. And Dread 12, is Din 4-Flight, Dread 13, is Samok Far, a female member of Rogue Squadron, who fought during the Battle of Hoth. Dread 14, Harris Syndulla. Dread 15, Karth Onasi, a member of Lance Squadron in the Old Republic. And Dread 16, Rick Ali, a member of the Naboo Royal Space Fighter Corps. Justin also includes a Dread support transport craft, the Imperial Star Destroyer Chimera, under the command of Admiral Gilad Pelion. Wow, great squadron, Justin. That's a big list. I think that's the biggest one we've had so far. I love your inclusion of a lot of the comics and video game stuff that I don't really know about. Awesome list. Well, it's time to wrap up. If you have a question or comment for the show, you can email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send me a tweet at legendslounge1. Or, if you want to get your voice on the show, record your own audio file and email it in. Just record it in MP3 or MP4 format, please. And keep sending me your Star Wars favorite character groupings. Starfighter squadrons, road trip buddies, sabacc table players. New topic, who do you invite to your Halloween party? And what costumes do they wear? I want to hear from you guys. Coming up in two weeks, I'll be jumping back 4,000 years to read Star Wars The Old Republic Revan by Drew Carpishin. I'll see you guys then. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. I'm Aaron Motes. May the Force be with you. And remember, there's always a bit of truth in Legends.